0: Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is believe. Means that the number one pick in the 2021 NBA draft goes to the Detroit Pistons. Who's got the number one pick in this year's Detroit. draft? Who's got the number one pick in this year's draft? Basketball. Select Isaiah Stewart. The Detroit Pistons select Killian Hayes. Sadiq, that was absolutely sensational. I don't know what went into that process. I met the criteria to be selected, but I wasn't. From Long Range. Oh! Oh! Yes, yes. Detroit
1: Basketball. Pistons Day welcome back to another edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Belief Network. I'm your host, Mike Gangwalano. Back off my brief hiatus joined by my co-host Aaron Johnson. Aaron how are you doing buddy? I haven't been haven't been on the pod lately due to some life stuff but uh, really happy to be back.
0: Very very happy to have you back Mike. I'm doing well. I'm I'm doing I'm doing great because the crew the Palace of Pistons crew is getting together uh, at Little Caesars Arena for the Cavs Pistons game. Uh, it's going to be great. So excited to to see all the boys. It's going to be a fun experience. We got some pissing stuff to talk about today, but before the game. So I'm ready to get into it. I'm ready to get into it.
1: Yes, let's get right into it. And yes, it'll be the first time we're making um for the very first time. We've been podcasting for almost nine years now, like said. <laughs> Seven years?
0: I was thinking seven. I was thinking seven.
1: Se- seven years, almost a decade, and uh, ha- have not actually met you in, in real life <laughs> um, um, or th- any of the other Pals of Pistons people. Um, well, we're going to rectify that. So while all of you listeners are listening to this pod, the day that drops, which would be Friday, November 4th, we'll be going down to Little Caesars Arena and finally finally meeting up, finally meeting the the palace of Pistons crew after all these years of writing and podcasting and John in the group chat we're going to actually make this happen so very cool uh, Cavs and Pistons and let's let's get right into it to talk about the Pistons because there's been some stuff happening for Detroit. Um, First off got to talk about Bojan Bogdanovich's extension but before we get into that I wanted to thank our sponsor for this week, and that is Bet Online. And basketball is back, and Bet Online remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs this season. You'll always find the latest odds, team matchup info, player news, and game trends at Bet Online. And as your continued source for all sports wagering information, Bet Online features live betting, free contests, and giveaways all season long. Always the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports and events, whether that's the NFL, NBA, NHL, MMA, tennis, boxing, or even golf. Head on over to betonline.ag to join and receive your 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Again, betonline.ag, 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. If you use promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, to receive your reward. So again, betonline.ag, use the promo code BLEAV, B-L-E-A-V, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline, where the game starts. Okay, let's go ahead and get into some Pistons talk has been a little bit of an interesting time for the Pistons we've, we've, we've seen some of the early parts of the season I've been watching from um, from afar uh, trying to keep up with both them and the Cleveland Cavaliers so Boyan Bogdanovich signed an extension a two-year extension worth $39.1 million uh, the team confirmed that on Monday so Aaron you know, we've we talked about Bogdanovich. That that may have been the last podcast I did is when the business <laughs> traded for him. Um, Bogdanovich sticks with Detroit. We talked about having a lot of money available next offseason, what they could do with it. Signing him was always on the table, I think, because wings are are so important and this team was just such a poor shooting team last year. You need a wing that can come in and shoot. You know, what do you make of the extension? for Detroit?
0: I, I really like the, the decision. Uh, I think it was important to to bring back Bogdanovich to, to extend him. You know, I know there was a lot of discussion uh, when the Pistons originally made the move to trade for Bogdanovich. Uh, a lot of people were talking about, you know, this is a great move for Detroit because it gives them a guy to, to play around with, but it's also a guy that they should then be able to flip at the deadline to a team that's a bit more desperate and, and is willing to give up. Uh, a young asset, whether it be a pick or a young player, uh, a prospect of some sorts. Uh, And I was really hoping that would not be the case. You know, I think the Pistons are at a point where they need to start putting together uh, some pieces that are actually going to be here for when they take that leap. And and I think Bogdanovich is a guy that that can still be here uh, when the Pistons are ready to make the playoffs, you know, hopefully sometime sooner rather than later. Uh, He's playing phenomenal basketball. I mean, 22 points a game. 50% 50% from the three-point line at, on over seven attempts per game. Uh, obviously, you know, he's not a great rebounder. He's not a great defender. Uh, and the Pistons aren't currently necessarily built to really cover up some of those shortcomings in in, in his game because uh, that's a a problem with his co-wing in Sadiq Bey who kind of shares some of those same deficiencies and, and playing with a, an undersized center in Isaiah Stewart uh, who – You know, still trying to figure things out on the offensive side of the floor uh, really doesn't help it either in terms of masking his deficiencies. But Bogdanovich, what he brings uh, to this team is one of the few veterans on this roster, uh, a guy that can give you 30 minutes a game. You know, he's going to space the floor for you. Uh, You know, you can turn to him and he's going to get you a couple buckets a night where, you know, on that certain possession, you would not have scored uh, if he weren't out there. And the money is fine. The money's perfectly okay. The cap is going to continue to rise, uh, you know, with the new new deal coming. I think people need to understand that, certainly, when they take a look at the at the contract. But the other thing is uh, his contract in the second year is non-guaranteed. Uh, there are – the trigger date is in July. So the Pistons have until July uh, of that offseason going into the final year of the deal, so the 2024 2025 season to determine uh, if Bogdanovich is worth the money uh, to to keep him. Otherwise, they're going to cut the ties with him. And I believe the number reported uh, to be guaranteed was only 2 or $3 million. So if you have to cut ties with him uh, before the 2024-2025 20, season, for whatever reason, you're really not losing that much money to get him under control. Now, for a guy whose game that I certainly feel is is built to 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 last as he ages. I mean, what he does now is what he should be able to do two, three years from now. He shoots the ball. He puts it on the floor a little bit. Uh, He's not a super athletic driver, but he's crafty enough to to get some shots to fall inside. And then, you know, he gets to the line a little bit here and there. So uh, I I think what he does for this team certainly warranted the money. Uh, He's a good veteran piece to have. He has winning experience. And as his team starts to get better, uh, Bogdanovich is certainly going to be part of that. I'd uh, be playing a role on this team moving forward. So very much for the decision to bring him back. I'm very glad it wasn't a move just to then try to flip him for a young prospect or, or another draft pick. I've grown very, very weary of that uh, whole ideology as the time has gone on. At some point, you know, you have to start pushing some of your chips to the table and trying to uh, assemble a team full of good, competent players. Bogdanovich is certainly one of those guys. Uh, it's a home run move by Troy Weaver and the Pistons.
1: Yeah, I remember talking on the podcast about pushing your chips in and cashing cashing in on a player who could help you win some basketball games. And they only gave up. Kelly Olenek and Saban Lee, correct? Yeah, they gave up nothing for him. Yeah, they really gave up nothing for him. It is a $2 million guarantee in that final year. So, you know, if he hits a wall at, at age 30, I think it would be 35. If he hits a wall at age 35 and you're like, yeah, we can't we can't have him on the roster anymore. You know, the shot's not there, whatever. Um, Then they can, you know, just get rid of him. And the encumbrance is half of what I think they're paying DeAndre Jordan um, right now to play basketball for a different team. So it's, it's a good deal. He's a good shooter. You need a veteran to kind of glue everybody together. We've talked about this before. We thought it was Jeremy Graham. He It doesn't have the same skill set that Bogdanovich has. Bogdanovich is, you know, quite literally a two-way wing where Jeremy Grant wanted to ISO um, as much as he could. So you replaced a veteran wing in Grant with another veteran wing in Bogdanovich. And like like you said, the stats are there. I mean, he is a a potent three-point shooter. He spaces out this offense, which did not have much spacing. Um, But he's a guy that as the, you know, we saw a report from Zach Lowe about uh, Marvin Bagley getting healthy and that Marvin Bagley is going to start when, when he's healthy and that might put Bogdanovich back on the bench. And this kind of leads into our second topic, which is the return of Maryland's Noel kind of mucking up the rotation. But Let's start with the wing uh, rotation first. If Bagley comes back, are you going to start him at the four and then put Bogdanovich back on the bench? You're going to put bogey at the three and put Sadiq Bay on the bench. You know, what are your, what are your thoughts on that? Because I, I've got some thoughts on that too, but I want to hear what you have first.
0: I'm going to imagine we're, we're on the same page here. I think, you know, dating back to when Zach Lowe kind of brought up this, this discussion that apparently was happening internally with Detroit or, or maybe others around the league were, were discussing it. I, I don't see how you could, possibly even consider starting Marvin Bagley over Bogdanovich. Now I do think, and and this is where I wish Jasper uh, was here this week to, to talk about this because he's been on this train for, for a minute now. Uh, I think there is some merit to bringing Sadiq Bay off the bench. I think you look at the second unit and they are in desperate need of a scoring punch. We don't know when Alec Burks is going to be back. He's, Supposedly limited in practice right now, but Dwayne Casey's given no sort of timetable uh, on when he will be able to return. And who knows what type of player he's going to be when he returns. You know, Marvin Bagley uh, is going to provide an offensive punch just in terms of his ability to to play the pick and roll to finish around the rim. Uh, But he presents his own issues for the team on the defensive side of the floor. And that's part of the reason why you would take Sadiq Bey out of the starting lineup is because he's not helping this team defensively and he's not helping this team on the glass. That's where, and I'm sure Jasper would be saying the same thing, if I'm making a change to the starting lineup uh, and I'm taking Sadiq Bey out of it, I'm not taking Boyan Bogdanovich out of it, it would be to, to move someone like an Isaiah Livers into the starting lineup give them a more consistent spot up shooting threat who's going to contribute defensively more and is a capable rebounder for his size i'm not looking at marvin bagley to be the solution i think marvin bagley's going to play a role for the team off the bench i think he's a guy that you know if he's playing well that night you can ride the hot hand with him over someone like isaiah stewart potentially um, but for the pistons as they've talked about trying to, you know, potentially go with Isaiah Stewart at the four, uh, in lineups, I don't think that's alongside Marvin Bagley. I think that has to be alongside someone like a Jalen Duran or, or a Nerlens Noel who you're comfortable with defensively protecting the rim. Uh, I think Bagley again is just more suited for that bench big role, being a scoring threat. Uh, and obviously, you know, as the Pistons kind of seemingly are getting away from these all bench lineups, even though they went to it a little bit, uh, in the game Wednesday night against the box, I think that will help sort of mask Marvin Bagley's defensive issues. Uh, but then again, you know, you roll out Sadiq Bay, Marvin Bagley, a rookie in Jalen Duran. um, you know, in an all be- in an all bench unit, and, and you're asking for trouble. You're asking for really the same issues that that starting group is having with Bay Bogdanovich and Stewart, where where there's just not enough uh, defensive abilities there. Um, but I think you know Bagley coming back certainly helps this team. I, I don't know how much it does because I think some people are sort of overvaluing uh, Bagley in a sense. You no, he's not a floor spacer. He's not shot in the ball well from beyond the arc, even though he's attempted uh, three-point shots. He's so, so bad defensively. He just doesn't have great IQ. He doesn't play with a great motor on that side of the court. So he's just very, very limited there, and that limits the Pistons. So uh, I think they're kind of in a in a position where if they have to make a move, they have to make some changes to the lineup. It probably is something like livers for Bagley uh, until they grow comfortable with Jalen Duran. and I don't know if that happens this year to, to really the extent that they want to start him. Um, but it's it's a murky situation for Detroit where you just look at the roster and, and you're like, this roster is missing some key components, and there's too many players that have similar deficiencies that play similar positions to, to make up for one another. I think the real crux of the problem is that the Pistons are going to start
1: Marvin Bagley. I mean, that's, that, that's kind of the long and short of
0: why. Right. But they can't start Marvin Bagley is what I'm saying. They, they, there's no, there's no roster. Yeah, there's it makes no, no sense. Configuration, uh, on this team that's, that would support Bagley starting, you, you know, not right. with Konevich on the court, not with Ivy on the court. There's too many guys that aren't good enough defenders uh, to 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 mask what he's going to do, and I mean, I mean, we had the film. You know, he wasn't a good defender in Sacramento, and he was just as bad yes. in Detroit. We know, we kind of know what he is in that regard. So there's just not a, a, a lineup configuration on this team, uh, as we currently stand, that would support Bagley starting. It just it just doesn't make sense.
1: It's it's just a really weird thing for Zach Lowe to say that. Oh yeah, and once once he's healthy, they're going to plug him in at the four. Doesn't, doesn't really make sense to me. You know, if you want scoring punch on the bench, you can get it in Marvin Bagley. You don't need to put him into the starting lineup and make your defense that much worse. Um, Just seems really strange. Um, So if you do, let's just say that, you know, the Pistons are going to start, they're going to say, yep, we want to put Marvin Bagley in the starting lineup because that's what we want to do. Then what does your rotation look like? Do you bench Sadiq Bey? Do you bench Bogdanovich? Do you, you know, what is what is the plan there for I, you? I'd, uh, I'd say
0: if if the Pistons were, for whatever reason, so determined to start Marvin Bagley, Sadiq Bey would have to be the guy to go to the bench uh, unless they're willing to play Bagley at the five, and I don't think they're really willing to do that. No, you were, you have I Ger- don't think you, so. You have Gerlien's Noel, who's now back in the fold. So I think you would have to send Sadiq Bay to the bench because if you're looking at the way things have gone this year, Bay has been best in terms of scoring, attacking the rim. He's completely flipped in that regard, where for the first two years, he was an outside shooter. And this year, the three-point shot hasn't been there completely, and he's been actually rather good when he attacks inside, drawing fouls, finishing against contact, making the right decision with the ball. But if you bring in Bagley, who, again, doesn't space the floor, is a play finisher down low, you don't necessarily need another guy trying to get to the rim. You already have that with Cade and Ivy getting downhill. And then you have Stewart and you have Bagley who play down low primarily. So you'd have to have shooting out there. And I say that lightly because there would just be no shooting out there outside of right. So uh, I hope that's not the case. You know, I hope the Pistons have kind of looked at what's happened Uh, Looked at what's transpired this year, seen how Bogdanovich has played. I'll be honest; I don't. I've never really bought into the to the idea that Bogdanovich was going to come off the bench. He's just been too good of a player as a starter for too long. I mean, this guy hasn't come off the bench in a game since 2016, and he came off the bench one you know one time with Brooklyn, and then he was coming off the bench for the back end of the year with Washington. But since 2017, 2018. He's not come off the bench in any game he's played in. This is a starting caliber player. He's a 22-point-per-game scorer for you right now. There's just not a world where you're bringing him off the bench uh, for Marvin Bagley, but if if for whatever reason they were so headstrong on it, that's how I would approach it. Sneak Bay would be the sacrificial lamb in that regard, uh, but I still wouldn't do that if I was a trod. I just don't think it's a smart decision whatsoever.
1: Uh, you're right. It's not a smart decision, and I don't know why that was reported as being the case. Um, speaking of guys that are vets and back and healthy and might be messing up the rotation, Mer Noel. and Alec Burks. We've talked about Burks a little bit in our group chat about how the second unit would benefit dramatically from his scoring punch. so let's let's start with the let's start with the guards and that rotation. Alec Burks is coming back. I mean, we don't know exactly when but seems to be ramping up. I think there was a tweet from Mike Curtis today that he's continuing to do one-on-one activities, and one would imagine that he's, he's going to be back sooner rather than later, and barring any you know dramatic setback. What does the guard rotation look like with Burks back in? Who, who, is, who is out of rotation at this point or having their minutes dropped?
0: Uh, he essentially needs to absorb every single Killian Hayes minute. From, from the beginning, honestly, I mean, Killian Hayes has just been so, so bad this year, shooting 17% from the field. You know, the playmaking, uh, you know, with the turnovers does not correlate strongly. He, unfortunately, has just not taken the necessary steps to continue to deserve consistent minutes at the NBA level. Um, Alec Burks, immediately day one that he's healthy, should get all of his minutes. You need shooting, you need scoring, and and you you just need a guy that you you can kind of depend on a little. And teams don't really have to defend Killian Hayes. And because of that, the Pistons are hurting when when they're not having Cade or Ivy in. And and you're already trying to facilitate, you know, developing a a rookie guard in Ivy. And, And obviously Cade didn't start the year off Super, super strong. As he was trying to find his footing, so you can't have two guys that are still developing, are still kind of molding into themselves, and then turn to another guy who's doing that at an even worse extent. In Killian Hayes, he's trying to learn how to play the game. It seems like You're trying, trying to figure out where to dribble the ball, and that to me, you know, as, as soon as Alex Burks is healthy, ha- has to be the move because. You know, you're playing Hamadou Diallo right now, who I I don't necessarily love that he's getting minutes, but he's giving you better minutes than Killian Hayes. And he's averaging 13 minutes per game. So is Corey Joseph. And Corey Joseph has really fallen out of the rotation now. I mean, he he played a little bit against Milwaukee on Wednesday, but he he didn't play against Milwaukee in the first game on Monday night. And he was a second-half addition to the rotation. Uh, on on Wednesday, so he's not really in the rotation right now. Uh, I think Burks has to come back, take all the Killian minutes, get another guy out there that can handle, shoot, score, be a threat on that side of the floor, um, and, and go from there. You know, I think uh, until you see him come back, and even you know Marvin Bagley to an extent as well, this bench is just destined to struggle. They don't have enough guys that that can score the basketball. You know, Dern is a rookie. And he's He just takes time. He's not a polished player on that side of the court. Nurlings Noel is a defensive-minded backup big. He's not a threat on that side of the court. Right. He delivers, you know, is is good defensively, can shoot the ball. He's not a guy that's going to go out there and create offense, create shots.
1: Right. Udiago, he's, very, he's very reliant on other people.
0: Exactly right. And Hamadou Diallo is a guy that will try to create offense, and most of the time it ends up as a turnover. So this second group is just so limited. They need a guard that can kind of, I don't know, be an offensive hub. And when you get that in Burke. He needs to orchestrate some things. Yeah, yeah. And, And I get that Killian Hayes can play make a ball a little bit. But he he can do that, but he's so limited as a scorer that teams are able to play off of him more. And they can, you know, they don't have to worry about him being a scoring threat. So getting Burks, getting Bagley back will certainly be a stabilizing force to the second unit.
1: There's only one player averaging, or, or, or I'm sorry, that has a lower points per shot attempt than Killian Hayes on the roster. The fact that he's not the lowest. Is bad. I'm willing to Kevin. Yes. I I already said it, but it is Kevin Knox at 43.8. That's yeah. um, I guess. Killian Hayes is at 49, which is in the zeroth percentile for his position. Uh
0: so yeah, I'm pretty speechless <laughs> about it too. I didn't think in years <laughs> having this discussion. I mean, Mike. Uh, I talked about Killian Hayes like he was the second coming of uh, of you know prime Goran Dragic, prime Ricky Rubio, like has a little bit of James Harden in him. Like I talked about him like that. I mean, look at what he look at what he is in year 3. I didn't think we I had mean, that discussion. we awesome.
1: we we talked about making sure that people talk themselves off off the ledge because point guards take an extra long time to develop. It's just how it is. They take a long time to develop. Usually yeah, I mean, you might get your Ja Morant type guy who's just an athletic freak and doesn't have to rely on being, you know, a super potent passer or a perfect three-point shooter or whatever. anything like that, That, but that's that's rare. Most of the time, point guards take a long time to develop. We're seeing regression, though. Oh, the, it's, you know, it's, it's exponentially worse. I mean, his points per shot last year was 93, which is in the 12th percentile, which is trash. That was marked improvement from his from his first year. Now that 93 is like cut in half. It's 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 worse. You know his turnover rate has increased. His turnover percentage is at 17 percent. That's higher than last year. He's obviously averaging far fewer minutes. So to have a higher turnover rate with fewer minutes per game is really bad.
0: And I was that some of the pressure was going to be off his hands this year because he wasn't going to be starting. He was going to be playing in the second unit. And, and you know, I, I hate that we're piling on this guy right now, but it's just a matter of fact at this point. Like, he's been the worst or one of the absolute worst everyday rotation players in the league this year. He just has. And you know, I don't want to be having this discussion, but that's the the matter, like, right now. And, and well, it's you know, it factors into our discussion of, Alec Burks is gonna come back.
1: He, you're right. He needs the Killing Hayes minutes. Um, you know, unfortunately. The second unit just can't can't operate without somebody to facilitate and have the threat of scoring the basketball. Jalen Durant, like you said, very reliant on other guys to score. You know, Isaiah Livers, very reliant on other guys to score. Hamadou, Diallo needs to be more reliant on other people to score because you know he's wants to isolate and handle the ball. Everyone else is just, you know, they're in the starting lineup or they're able to create for themselves. I know that they want to try to stagger Jay Nivey and Kate Cunningham. And that's probably the best way to go. So you know maybe maybe Jay Nivey is one of those guys that is playing with reserves a little bit more often to get, you know, some of the pressure off of Cade j Jaden Ivey can go and create his own shot or get to the rim. He's very downhill oriented. But the fact of the matter is, is Killian Hayes is just flat out killing you offensively. And he's not good enough defensively to make up for that offensive loss. It's, 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 just, it's just how it is. And it's the sad reality. And I don't know what you do to energize his offensive game. He scored 24 points in a preseason game. And I thought, uh-oh, he's here. figured it out he solved the problem of not knowing what he's doing when he gets into the paint that problem is evidently not solved yet so yeah i agree with you burks has to has to take over those those minutes and what about the big so with Nerland noel i mean he's i think he's he's probably trade bait because jalen duran's been pretty darn good um being so young, he's, he's been pretty impactful already Merlin's Noel coming back. Does that shake up the big rotation for you in any way, or are you pretty much sticking with healthy scratch, you know, CDMP for a Merlin's Noel from here
0: on out? It's tough because I think Noel gives you some good things. You know, I think his ability to kind of anchor a second unit's defense, be a rebounding presence. I think that's important. But you can't deny minutes to Jalen Duran, and if the Pistons aren't willing to use Stewart more as a four with those two in the fold, uh, it's very difficult to see a path where all three of them can get minutes every night. Uh, it would just be quite odd. I don't. I don't know how it work unless you know Stewart goes down to playing. You know five to eight less minutes and Noel and Duran kind of split them. I I just don't know how it works. It's, you know, you try running 11 deep. uh, If you're playing a third center every night, uh, it just, it gets a lot more difficult to do. So unless they're willing to play Stewart at the four more uh, and try him in some two big lineups, I think Noel is going to be the sacrificial lamb in that case. I think you have to play Duran. He's a part of your core moving forward. He needs the minutes on the court. Um, And I think Noel, obviously, you know, can be flipped uh, if that's deemed necessary at the trade deadline. So I think Noel, if you're only playing two of Stuart, Duran, Noel, I think Noel's the kind of the odd man out. But I do think he provides some nice things for you as well. So uh, I'd be looking to say, look, we got to figure out if Stewart can play the four, because what we're doing right now is not working. We're two and seven. We got to start trying some different things, and I think that's a way to do it. Uh, you know, it might not work, but you got to give it a chance, right? You talked about it all off season. You you, you made the decision to to trade assets to acquire Jalen Duran, knowing you just drafted Isaiah Stewart a few years ago. You spent all off saying, "Look, Stewart's going to be able to play the four. That's part of how we want to build this team." So you got to start. Practicing that and, and seeing if it works. So we'll see. I mean, it sounds like Duran's going to be back in the fold uh come this weekend. If not, maybe just a few days later than that. Some point next week uh at the at the minimum. We'll see what the Pistons' plan is. I I, I hope they at least try it out a little bit. I, I think it's worthwhile because I think Noel provides you something uh, on a nightly basis.
1: Oh, he's definitely a rotation level player
0: for for, for
1: sure. You know the problem for him is that you've got you've got guys above him that you kind of need to figure out what you have. You know, you mentioned Isaiah Stewart. You need to figure out if he's a five or a four. He's taken thirty-eight percent of his shots are 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 threes. Last year it was nine percent. He's making an attempt to do something different to be a four. He's hitting twenty-six percent of his threes. But he is attempting to make you know some sort of some sort of change by being a three point shooter, by being a stretchy four. Whether that happens or not, hard to say. Um, or you know, he's trying right now. So far, results are not quite there. But you know, Isaiah Stewart does provide stuff for you, like you said, a night in a night out basis. Nerlens Noel does too, and then with Jalen Duran, you know, he's playing well enough that. know I kind of thought he'd be a little bit unseasoned coming into the season just because he was maybe the youngest player in the NBA and a lot of times it you know it it takes takes some time in the G League for some of those super young guys to come in and make an immediate impact but uh, he's making an immediate impact rebounding the basketball being able to finish down low I mean obviously he he does all of his damage in the paint he's too good to not play for right now so it's unfortunate for Noel that he's kind of stuck in this position of, you know, a healthy scratch, but it's an okay position to be in if you're the Detroit Pistons, but it, it is, it is tough. It is, you know, I do feel for him, but you acquired Duran, You want to see the different combinations of players that you could put together that make sense. Bagley's coming back too. Didn't even talk about, Marvin Bagley—that's guy you just signed. You know, you got to see what he's able to provide, if anything, um, on the offensive side of the basketball. We already know what it's going to be defensively. So, no, it's it's tough. I I don't know. You know, I I don't know if they play him a little bit more to see if they could try to trade Noel, kind of like how we thought about Bogdanovich. But you know, he's he's a big that has you know a role as a backup center on a playoff team
0: right? He might, yeah. might well, have some other
1: opportunities elsewhere
0: right no- noel is a guy that that belongs in a rotation um you know if it's for a team that's losing a lot of games right now and has a couple bigs already on the roster trying to develop i don't know but somewhere he has a rotation uh a spot in rotation so it just comes down to if detroit's going to try to make it work with some different guys out there uh, and trying some different lineup configurations. Uh, or if, you know, they don't want to try that and are gonna end up moving on.
1: Yeah, and, and it wouldn't it wouldn't surprise me on that. But again, you gotta see what you have out of your young guys and move on from there. It it'd be really helpful if the younger guys were playing better. Looking at you, Killian Hayes, make these decisions a lot easier, but unfortunately, uh not always the case. Yeah. I think Aaron,
0: to...
1: <laughs> Yeah. Anything else you want to touch on before we wrap up this edition of Palace Business Podcast?
0: No, honestly, I'm just kinda I'm just kinda counting down the hours until till Friday night. I'm so excited to see all the Palace Business guys there and uh it's it's gonna be a fun night for sure. And I'm excited to watch the Cavs too. I mean, you know how how in I've been on Donovan Mitchell since he was a prospect coming out of Louisville. Uh, but I mean I, hell, I was talking about it, you know, this past offseason when he was available, I was saying Detroit should try to set put together whatever package possible outside of Kate Cunningham to go get him. Uh, I really wish they would have because he's just just a phenomenal, phenomenal player. Cleveland is a contending team. Darius Garland is awesome. Evan Mobley is a phenomenal young prospect. Jared Allen's good. Like, they're just such a good, good team. And, you know, now that they have Donovan Mitchell, I can't even hide it anymore. Like, I am just a pseudo Cavs fan at this (laughs) point, which is just a terrible, terrible thing to say, uh, you know, as a local Detroit resident, but it just kind of is what it is. They have so many fun, good players, and they are going to be good for a very, very long time. In a league
1: of increasingly unlikable teams and players.
0: Right. Like
1: right. the Suns and as of today, the San Antonio Spurs and you know the Brooklyn Nets have are, are the most unlikable team. Like the Lakers are climbing the likable scale every day, which is really not for me not something that happens.
0: <laughs> I, I don't know um, if I'll ever be a Lakers guy with with it's just not a great group over there either. Yeah, they're all but they're but you're right. The point stands, a lot of unlikable
1: You know, Russ is doing fine coming off the bench. He's actually he's mm-hmm. playing a lot better. I, I like Darvin Ham. That place still has a ton of problems. But, you know, they're climbing the likability scale because everyone else around them is just falling off of a cliff.
0: You know, Suns and
1: Spurs. And,
0: you want to jolt up you know, the likability scale, you just go out there and you sign Mitch McGarry. You get him in your <laughs> then Then you're on <laughs> the top of Aaron's likability uh, scale. That's uh, yes, pro- climbing. likability scale. You want to fall down? You sign Steve Blake to anything. Serious. You bring him in as a consultant, <laughs> as a as a coach, anything? I wish death on your franchise. Disaster. Just
1: incoming. <laughs> well, now that we've uh, wound in the Mitch McGarry reference to this podcast, we can officially bring it to a close. Uh, I want to thank our sponsor, Bet Online, for once again sponsoring this edition of the podcast. And if you have forgotten from earlier in the show, head on over to betonline.ag, receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit using promo code Believe. That's B-L-E-A-V. We'd really appreciate it. Helps uh, support us and helps support Believe, who's been nice enough to let us do this show for now over a year on their podcast network. So for my co-host Aaron Johnson, I am Mike Anguilano. Thank you so much for joining us on this edition of the Palace of Pistons podcast, part of the Believe Network. And we will see you all next time.
0: Thank you for listening to Believe.